love these uh, solos tonight. It's a blessing to be here and experience the presence of the Lord, His mercy, His grace. If you're here, you're here by the mercy and grace of God, by the way. That's, why, that's how I'm here. That's how we're all here. Um, we know not what one day will bring forth. We don't know what one day will bring forth. It doesn't really matter if you make a commitment for tomorrow. You may not be here to keep your commitment. But there's a commitment that Christ made, and he will not falter in it. He is coming again. And that's the anchor we're hooked to, the rock that we're hooked to, our anchor is hooked to. So praise the Lord. These, both of these songs beautiful. And Sister Liz, isn't she beautiful? She is so inspiring. I just, I'm just amazed. I appreciate so much her, uh, her ministry and, and uh, class. And she just presents the, the word of God and the life of God in just a, a way that is exciting. And I appreciate her. I never want to fail to, to say that. And uh, thank you so very much. Um, I do want to say, however, that uh, this Sunday is um, Mental Health Sunday. And I know that there are some people who, you know, they kind of think, well, mental health, that's, that's kind of we look down on those uh, people. Um, our numbers are increasing. Did I just say that? The people who need mental health. We all need mental health, um, and there's nothing to be ashamed of with regards to that. We just need to be ashamed if we don't get help, and uh, so uh, that ties with the Saturday night concert uh, that, um, oh my goodness, is it Josh, Wilts? Josh Wilson, my mind went blank, and now I'm going to have to read everything tonight because I just had the screen clear. Uh, in my mind there, um, he is coming, not only is he a great singer, uh, popular in the, in the Christian uh, ministry, Christian music ministry, but he's also had his own personal experience with overcoming anxiety, fighting mental uh, illnesses or difficulty, challenges, emotional ones. And so uh, what we have done is pastor set up the Saturday night service and it took the place of the Sunday night service. So that's how that opening came. So we need for all of our church to show up on Saturday too because there are going to be a host of people. We don't even know all of his fans that are coming. We hear some are coming from other states. So we want to fill this building with not just um, other people. We want to be here in our place to pray with them and uh, to be prayed for. So I think you will enjoy that, and I appreciate it if you keep those things in mind and the other announcements as well. Uh, just right quickly, I'm not going to spend the whole time on this, but um, I was talking to Sue Brashears Bashir, today, and uh, she's making those uh, chocolate eggs. And so I don't know if any of you would be able to volunteer and come out and help her, but uh, she's facing a little bit of uh, some physical difficulties herself, and if you could come out and help her, that would be uh, grand and, and much appreciated. Um, next week, we'll be starting a new series with uh, Brother Troy Dean Osborne on uh, Israel. I think while we, are, uh, while we should love Israel, you don't want to miss that. I'm looking forward to seeing that myself, hearing that, and being a part of that. 
uh, top notch will be tomorrow, leaving the church at noon, or you can meet us at Houston's at 12.30. We have uh, a uh, seniors trip to uh, Gatlinburg, the gathering, um, and if you have any interest at all, if you'd let me know within the next uh, few days, uh, we want to make sure we have proper uh, travel plans for you. And um, so, uh, the other thing is, if how many of you have a Facebook account? It's okay, Pastor won't look if you're worried about that. Uh, I don't know if you thought about this or not, but wouldn't it be cool if when we came in, maybe before we service is supposed to start, what if we went to the Facebook account and checked in? Wouldn't that be cool? Would you do that, Pastor? In fact, could you... Could you maybe uh, um, post a picture of me or something? Actually, I've got a face for radio, so don't put, don't uh, post my picture. I'd appreciate it if you didn't do that, but I don't think I've got any control over you. I'm just going to keep smiling, keep talking. Uh, but I thought that'd be kind of a, a cool thing for us to uh, to start doing, maybe as as a habit. So, okay. Um, I want to begin tonight by asking you a few, a few questions. What do we think of people who are friendly sometimes? Uh, sometimes loving, sometimes caring, sometimes kind. Um, what do we think of people who are loyal sometimes? What do we think of people who keep confidences most of the time? What do we think about people who are truthful sometimes? What, what about people who are clean most of the time? Uh, what do we think about people who are helpful most of the time? Um, or anything else on a part-time basis? I think we would say that they are dirty, unfriendly, disloyal, deceptive, hypocrites full-time. Because... We won't give them credit for the few times they might have borne some fruit that looked like it was good fruit. The truth is, for people to be good, we have to be good all the time. I can't be good all the time. And I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't ask my wife what percentage I'm on this week. I can't be good all the time. But Christ in me is the hope of glory. I don't know, you may have not have felt a thing when I said that, but my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I don't know how guilty you might be. It's something that haunts me. I want to bear fruit that is worthy of the praise of our God. I want to bear good fruit. Uh, I want to be uh, a good, good ground, a good tree. Uh, and uh, I want Christ to be seen uh, in my life. So, that being said, I want you to take uh, your sheet of paper here, our little study guide. Does anybody not have one of these and a pen? Might mention about the pens. If you'll turn that, those back in, uh, the visitors will be able to have one next week. So uh, 
Now, if anybody doesn't have, I have some that, that are not cut. Yours probably have front and back, but those that uh, Sister Liz is passing out has uh, double um, note pages on the back. So you can take a look at that. Now, uh, the overachievers have already read everything, and so when I read these, you're going to say, okay, I'm already, I'm already there. You'll have to uh, wait on the rest of us. Um, I just kind of wanted to present this in a little bit more orderly fashion since this is um, this will be the end of our series, uh, our three-year series on the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> okay, it hasn't been that long. Generally, the fruit of the flesh is what the Bible calls the works of the flesh, and they flow out of the carnal mind of man. Satan has always offered up a substitute. Now, you can illustrate that throughout the scriptures. I won't take time to do that myself. And he offers up that substitute for the pure things of the kingdom of God in an effort to destroy our future and our hope. That's his plan, to rob, kill, and destroy. Too many people settle for the fake fruit and miss out on the wonderful things that God has in store for those who will be faithful. Too many of us are willing to settle for the fake to look like we're bearing the fruit of the Spirit. It's a lot easier to present well based on that smile. In fact, if you, you know, you can even, I found this to be uh, good for me, you can even make your makeup in such a way that you look like you're smiling all the time. You notice that makeup that I wore. In fact, I could probably save a lot of people a lot of money by how to improve your looks. Let's see if we can go live on this. We get this out there. Everyone can improve their looks by smiling. I want you to test people with that. Get somebody an old sour puss look, catch them on their face, take a picture of them, and then say, I'd like to take your picture. And most people will smile for their picture, won't they? But I've seen people who, I mean, they smile and their face just lights up the room. And I've told some people before, generally in, in customer service, you need to smile. You've got a beautiful smile. Wear your smile all the time, you know. And, and if you're in customer service, all Christians, by the way, are in customer service, right? We are representing a product that we have tried and can say definitively, this product changes Change my life. I just love what I'm saying tonight. This is just so great, isn't it? We spend so much time advertising for other people's products when the real thing, the most important change in our lives really came from Jesus Christ and we ought to be willing to tell people about that product that made all the difference in our lives. If indeed it made all the difference in your life. So, God has many wonderful things in store for us, and he wants us to be bearing that fruit of righteousness. And then secondly, more specifically, since the fruit of the Spirit is of the Spirit, any act that, motiv that is motivated by the flesh is fake. If it's not generated by the Spirit, it's not spirit fruit. So you can, um, you can uh, help God out by... You know, this is a simpler way. It's a quicker way. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be explained. It doesn't have to be defended. 
And so many people are settling for that. However, all of that is fake fruit. Each provision of God, a pursuit of the godly purpose, will be the target of Satan's attack. So ready, be ready for the wiles of the devil, if you would. We, we must become more aware of his devices and guard against every intrusion of the enemy. Uh, he seeks to redefine the statements of principle and substitute the least for the very best. Now, the redefinition of terms today, I could spend a whole session on that. But in our society, in our culture right now, they have changed the definition so that when our kids hear certain words, they don't hear them the way we heard those words. Marriage has been redefined. I said I could spend the whole time on this. Y'all pray I don't. I don't have any more time, so I'm going to go on down with this. But you think of the many things in our culture, in our society, uh, that have, have just been changed. Man, I feel so much like I'd like to go down that trail, but I won't. He seeks, um, Satan seeks to redefine our statements of principle, which we ought to have, our core values, and substitute those things the least uh, for the very best, or the best for the very least. Um, strategically now, listen to these things. If we are born of the Spirit, everybody's not a Christian just because we're born in Christian America. How many of you know that, right? And, and, and some people say, well, he had to be a Christian because look how much his uh, wife and children loved him. Saddam Hussein was greatly loved by his wife and children. I don't think you're a Christian because you have somebody that you tricked into loving you. Or you treat them nice and you treat everybody else uh, wrongly. But if you're born of the Spirit, growth in the Spirit is natural. It's just the right thing to do. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit is in one nature, DNA, and comes in one cluster with many manifestations. Now, I know the Bible talks about fruits of the Spirit as well, but fruits are the different manifestations of, and many times you have those things grouped uh, together, gentleness, goodness, meekness. Those things are in operation in a particular manifestation. But it is one DNA. It's just the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't move a different way, a different attitude, a different demeanor, uh, among the various people, it is one fruit, one DNA, one uh, by nature manifestation uh, being many, but the, the nature itself, just one. The fruit grows best in soil of preparation, number three, um, well, bullet point number three, in the soil of preparation. Now, preparation here is brokenness and tearing up the weeds in your life. Um, you remember Jesus said of the seed that was sown, broadcasted around, that there were some seed that fell among the thorns, the weeds, and it just choked the life out of them. There are some things, obligations, commitments, bondages, that we have um, brought upon ourselves. God really wants us to clip free of those things. If you're looking at things in your life that's bringing heaviness, keeping you from the house of God, keeping you from doing the things you know God's called you to do, keeping you from being a loving, wonderful person that God wants you to be, 
then maybe you need to make the preparation of cutting those weeds out, pulling out those weeds, and let's start with some good ground. Well, the ground might be rocky, but God wants us to break up the fallow ground. He wants our hearts not to be hardened by bitterness and resentment, not to be hardened by the way people always treat me, not by uh, hardened by a sense of not having an opportunity to do everything that we want to do. We're not entitled to everything. Our freedoms are not unlimited. Somebody should be running the aisle right now. Nobody runs the aisle over my freedoms are not unlimited. I mean, how are you going to get anybody to shout with that, Pastor? You know, our limit, our freedoms are limited. And that's a good thing. We do have boundaries. That's a good thing. God has given us provision, but it's not unlimited provision. I can't have your Cadillac. Well, apparently there are some of you who want me to have your Cadillac. You can give me your Cadillac, but it doesn't come by me confessing that I have your Cadillac. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me go on down. What is most lacking in churches today, in my humble opinion, is brokenness. Brokenness. Wonder why God allows difficulty to come into our lives? Because it's at the point of brokenness we turn our eyes towards Jesus. At the point of brokenness, we're most ready to receive uh, that infusion of, of um, fertilizer. Um, I'll just let you visualize whatever kind of fertilizer you want to there. Sometimes I, if I just let it go and keep on going, it just it would be just fine. But in order for the difficulties of our lives to make any benefit towards us, ground has to be broken. And we resent so very much when things come, negative things come into our, our lives. Um, God knows, and we should be submitting ourselves to him. Now, Fruit flourishes, next point, uh, fruit flourishes best when exposed to fresh air, SON light, and living water. I'd like for you to calculate for a minute, if you would, what the results would be if we didn't have the Spirit of God breathing on us. If you don't feel the Spirit of God, the presence of God in your life, what kind of growth are you going to have? Can you imagine even in the, in the, from the temporal realm, um, plants have to have sunlight. And we have to have sunlight. There's something about the light of God in our lives. Something about that light that, that puts us in a good place. Men love darkness because their deeds are evil. Satan doesn't care what size of a dark place in your life. It's whether it's how dark the place is. His kingdom thrives in a dark place. So if you don't want anybody to know a certain thing about your life, you might ought to bring it to the SON light and let him shine on it. There's something about the truth that is freeing. There's something, in fact, the Bible says you shall know the truth. Jesus said, and the truth shall set you free, make you free. And if the sun has set you free, you are free. Free indeed. Free, free, free. Okay, I'm not going to go down that road. Okay, 
What does God expect then of us or require of us? You can look to Deuteronomy 10, 12, and 13, or Micah 6 and 8. I'm not going to go through those things right now. That's a whole sermon in itself. But I think it suffices to say God expects something of me. Just because parents today don't expect anything of their children, it doesn't mean that God is like us. We don't teach responsibility to our children anymore because we might warp them. I wish I had warped my kids more. <laughs> Actually, the Lord's doing his work. But what are we at the core? What are we at our very core? Not what everybody might see or what we put on immediately after we come into the presence of somebody we were trying to impress. What does it matter? How many layers of fake do you think it would take for us to remove in order for us to get to that core? To look at ourselves as we really are. Those layers of fake that come from the expectations other people have on us and it's just easier to meet their expectations than to live and walk in the Spirit. That's what God calls us to do. We need self-evaluation. We need to test all things, prove all things, so that we can walk in the light as He is in the light, value the right things, walk in the right way, and God will confirm Himself among you with signs following. The need for a test, a proof of this, I think, has become evident. Now, you may be acquainted with this saying, Beauty's only skin deep, but ugly is to the bone. Right? Well, <laughs> who we are, really are, is what's at the deepest part of our life. Now, I want to move to the um, to the back, the next other side, and you you have listed there nine um, in the cluster. Of, of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm, I'm pretty convinced that there are other uh, things that are part of this grouping, this gathering, um, in, in the nature of the DNA of the Spirit. But for our learning purposes, uh, Paul has put these in there, and, uh, and it's a pretty good list. So I'd like for you, if you could take just a moment, a nanosecond, or 20 um, seconds, and, and look to the right hand. Maybe some of you overachievers have already started on doing that. Wonder what the fake fruit of love might be. In fact, <clears throat> I think I'm just going to go on this. And if you didn't get a chance to jump in there early, you can right now, or you can take these home and say, I'm going to throw out all he said and start rethinking this whole thing myself. But we know that love has been one of the things that's been redefined, don't we? Dang it, I wish I could talk about this a little bit more. But um, in high school, my, my kids learn that people don't wait to have sex with the person they love. Because if they love someone, they go ahead and marry the first person they have sex with. And I think statistically you'll see that love has been replaced by lust, by a moment of passion, rather than commitment, purity, sacrificial um, 
commitment to one another. We see that there's a lot of self-focus, conditional love. If you love me, I'll love you. That's not what the Spirit does. The Spirit loves you and me in spite of how lovely I am or am not. And then joy. Joy is looking uh, at the final end. It's optimism going into a situation and circumstance because you're positive of the outcome. I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him is the faith that undergirds all of the fruit. And then it's wrapped in packages of love, all of this in the cluster. And you see the fruit of the Spirit in this cluster. And so joy then is the, the complete confidence that God has this. And I've heard people say, God has this. How encouraging that is. And we need to not only say it with our voices, we need to say it with our faces. Because our kids are reading not our words, but our faces. Our neighbors are reading not just our verbal communication, but our nonverbal communication. We go kicking the trash can. Joy is the flag free from the castle of my heart. That's kind of miscommunication, isn't it? And so joy is not being a jokester, sarcastic, frivolous, laughter, happy if I'm in charge, attitude. My way or the highway is not joy. Although sometimes we do feel like there's a breath of fresh air when somebody gets out of our lane. And then there's peace. Peace is not calm exterior or avoidance of anything that might upset your apple cart. Peace is rest. The settled confidence and security of being right relation in a right relationship with God. There's a deep, settled peace abiding in my soul since I have found a friend of mine. The peace of God that passes the understanding of men. Then long-suffering. Long-suffering is not a high tolerance for pain. It's grace to never give up. It's the grace to never give in. It's not to let people or circumstances deter us from our prize. I'm forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are ahead, pressing towards a mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm having a lot more fun than most of you guys. And then gentleness. It is not being wimpy or standoffish, but it's caring for people as if they were babies or even better, pets. In our culture, we're treating dogs better than we are babies. You go to jail and be ostracized by your whole community if you don't feed your dog. If you see the ribs of the dog, then you're a bad person. It's okay if we take the life of a child just before or just after birth. Jesus, help our world. 
It's the kid gloves. It's I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. It's speaking the truth in love. Now, I know I've heard some people say, well, I'm just telling you the truth. I'm telling it like it is. Well, you left out the part that says do it with kid gloves. Right? Speak the truth in love. And then I'm going to skip goodness and close with that. I talked about faith, how faith is not just the, uh, the gift of the Spirit that operates sometimes so that you can see and believe things and speak to those things as if they already were. You know, there's a gift of faith. And then there's a, there are levels of faith. The Bible starts with the level of faith um, that he's given to all men, the Bible says, a measure of faith. So faith is throughout the economy of our Christian salvation experience. But this faith is a faith that works by the Spirit. It's a daily infusion of confidence that oozes peace and and gushes joy and administers love and caringness, gentleness. Faith undergirds all of those things. It is not, however, positive confession. And and maybe you don't need this warning, but I, I kind of feel like in the Christian realm right now, we need to be warned against meditation. Because it's so easy to shift off of the Bible onto meditation. And and I know I don't have a lot of time to do this, but I don't really need to picture a tree, green leaves with the wind, you know, blowing through the trees. And exhale six times and inhale three. Okay, maybe you should inhale three and exhale six, three. But the bait and switch is on for the the enemy. He'll dangle one thing and then he'll snatch it out right before he snatches your head off. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may coddle and care for and set up good things for and Fix you up for the future. No, the Bible says he is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to sink his teeth in you. And it's not misplaced loyalty. I've seen some folks think that faith in anything is faith in God. Sincerity, by the way. Sincerity does not qualify for faith. Some people say, well, you know, they they really believe that. They're sincere. God knows their heart. Yes, he does. He knows it's dirty. He knows your heart, my heart, when it's full of sin, filthy. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. But faith is confidence with an awe of God, but without fear. Of the enemy. Faith is not being, excuse me, I'm moving to the next one, meekness. Meekness is not reticence or quietness or too fearful to have an encounter. It's 
not false humility. Meekness is rather the strength to know one's position and to stand for what is right. Meekness is not weakness. It's strength. You don't have to assert yourself in the flesh. You just stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Sing it for us. Steve back there, I, I just woke Kenzie up. She's ready to sing that song for us. <clears throat> Meekness is not non-confrontational. I've seen some people, you know, we think they're meek. No, they're, they're just afraid of confronting. The Bible commands us, by the way, to confront. It's just so hard to do in the flesh. That's why it's a fruit of the Spirit. You see your brother overtaken in a fault, let such a one as a spiritual go to them in the spirit of meekness, considering themselves, lest they also be tempted and restore such a one. Bring them back into the fold. And then temperance. Temperance is not a comparison with other people. It's not, I'm not as drunk as they are. I'm not as consumed as they are. And by the way, control is an illusion. The test to see if it's out of control is if you say, I can quit at any time I want to. The problem is our want to. Temperance is balance. So let me just take a minute here, since we didn't spend any time on temperance. I, I will. I'll just spend a couple of minutes then. Temperance usually has reference to the control of social or personal vices. That, uh, for example, drinking alcohol generally means not excessive or moderate, but in control or moderate in control. Famous last words, as I mentioned, is I can quit any time. Self-effort is the false fruit here. By definition, the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. Control or balance is generated by Him. Temperance is on-time intervention of the Spirit and deliverance by the Spirit. Temperance is balance and moderation of and through the Spirit. Temperance is direction and guidance as needed for action and obedience by the Spirit. The work of the Spirit is so evident that the carnal flesh cannot take credit. Woo! Glory. The work of the Spirit is so evident that the carnal flesh cannot take the credit or the glory. Submission is required in order for the fruit to operate in the Spirit and making us accountable then to the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 4 and 5, it says, Let your moderation be known of all men. The Lord is at hand. I think perhaps the most underpreached principle, I'm not talking about just titles or word studies of the Bible, principle is balance. You look at how many things in the Scripture that balance is involved. In fact, you might look at the Bible and say, this, These are two contradictory things. Well, it may just be, I'm kind of sinking my uh, ship, my anchor on that, that they are both right if they're in the Bible. So it's up to me to do them both, to make those things understandable. Now, um, 
Let your moderation be known of all men. Uh, instructions to men of the, the church were to be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience, and so on. First uh, Corinthians 9, Titus 1, um, and even First uh, Corinthians 9, 25 and, uh, through 27. Every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now do it, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but you, we, do it to obtain an incorruptible crown. Therefore, run in this way, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body, or my body under subjection, and bringing it into uh, control of the spirit, subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should become a castaway. The presence of God um, brings those things to light. Openness gives opportunity for victory and overcoming grace. Um, I think I can close right here. We only skipped goodness, didn't we? Everybody knows what goodness is. Saint and sinner knows what good is. They're a good man. What about them that's good? They're just a good man. We may have different standards, but we all agree that there is a standard of goodness. That standard is in the spirit. In Psalm 23 and 6, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One translation of this says that I will be doggedly followed by the goodness and mercy of God. God is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth through all generations. Matthew 12, 25 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Now catch this correlation. In Matthew 7, 17 through 21, it says, Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. This is the natural way. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth Good fruit it, that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, cut down, and cast into the fire. That kind of, wow, can't take that segue, can I? Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth. The will of God. I just want to remind you that doing comes from being. If you are doing works of unrighteousness, you're being unrighteous. The unrighteous produce the fruit of unrighteousness and evil. The righteous produce the fruit of good works 
good fruit. Romans 2 and 4, it says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So if God didn't spare the natural branches, Israel, and grafted us in, then it certainly would make sense that if we don't measure up, he can hew us down and graft back in Israel. I don't want that. It's pretty exciting Sunday to see our brother saying, I don't want the rocks to cry out for me. I want the fruit of the Spirit in my life to produce fruit of righteousness, so much so that I can't take the credit for it, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Eternal Fathers, we bow in your presence, we thank you, because we can stand before you faultless, righteous, generous, not self-righteous and self-indulgent. Help us, Lord, not to think of ourselves as being on display, but everything we do puts you on display. We are the letters, the epistles that other people are reading, the letters of love in our community, the, level, the letters of goodness and gentleness and meekness, temperance, peace, joy, and love. Oh, Father, help us to stand in the sunlight, to drink the eternal living water, to stand where the Spirit of God is breathing on us. Let us take a deep breath of the things that are of God and let the dryness go. Let the barrenness go. We'll be careful to thank you, praise you, and honor you. In Jesus' name. 2 Peter 1.8 says, If these things be in you and abound, they shall make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow. Grow. In the Spirit. And so doing, you will not, you will fulfill the law of God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand. Pastor, do you have anything else you'd like to share? Huh? <laughs> okay. Good, good. We love you, Pastor. Praying for you. And let me just say, we had our steering committee meeting tonight, and what was primary to us was prayer. We took more time praying maybe than anything else, and we prayed for our pastor. He carries the load of every family that loses a loved one. I know this because I've been here, and I'm so thankful for the heart you have for our people. Love you, brother. Well, I wanted to take just a moment just to, number one, I want to appreciate Brother James. Do you love this teaching tonight? Isn't that great? 
But I did want to take just a moment to uh, let our church family know, you know, over the next several days, it's going to be very important that we care for one another, that we love one another. These families are are hurting, and uh, we've got a lot. At the end of this this little season, we will have done four funerals in the last few days. And uh, I want us to, to pray for the families. I want us to be there for them. As they mentioned, you know, uh, Bokey Bartlett, Larry Bartlett, young man, you see him every Sunday. He's here on Wednesday nights usually. He sits over here in the corner, just a young man. Um, needs, his got, he's got three teenage kids that we have got to pray for. And we've got, he's got a family that is brokenhearted. He has been raised in this church his whole life. His family clear back go here. You know Larry and Joe Bartlett. That's their son. So let's continue to keep them in prayer. And if you can be here Sunday uh, afternoon, 5 to 8 o'clock, come, and come to the visitation for this family. It, it shows respect and it shows kindness. It shows that you care right. about them when right. you come. Some folks said, someone said something to me very recently, and that's why I'm wanting to say something. They said, Oh, no one ever knows if I'm there or not. I'm like, yes, we yes, do. Yes, they do. Yes, we do. Absolutely do. Yes. It is our responsibility as a church family to be here for our church family when they're hurting. I guarantee you when it's your turn to stand here, you're going to want to know somebody cares. Absolutely. Amen? Amen. 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 Also, John McKinney, wonderful John McKinney, sits right over here, always sits out in the lobby and talks to every human being that walks by. He is the friendliest guy you'll ever know in the world. And I could not believe one night in particular, there were 60 of his high school friends that were at the hospital to see him. He's made such an impact on so many lives and many from here. So we want to be here for that family as well. The McKinney's will have their visitation from from 3 to 5 on uh, Tuesday. And then the service for him, a memorial service, will be at 5 o'clock. So do your best over the next couple of days to be here and to show up and, and encourage other folks from our church to, to come and to support this family if at all possible. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you. Have a, a very restful and peaceful weekend, and we'll see you on Sunday morning. God bless you. Amen.